you're going to tether me down here where I can't wander too far. Okay, um, so we do want to um, prep the skin. A lot of times when you do your anesthetic, you can go in the edges of the skin. Where are all our nerve fibers? Are they deep? Are they near the surface, or where are they? They're near the surface, aren't they? So if you go in through the side of the wound edge, you're below the nerve endings, and it's less painful to put your anesthetic in that way. You do want to get it fairly close under the skin, otherwise you don't anesthetize the nerves. So sort of a little double edge there, but uh, you want to get it in, and then you can prep your wound nicely. A couple things on anesthetics. Uh, there is a limit to how much xylocaine you can put in. Uh, usually uh, it's around 20 cc's with a 1% at a time before you need to wait a little time and let some of it clear. But uh, usually, most of the time that isn't a, a huge problem. I like to use 2%. If you're in a place where it's a short procedure, use the 1%. Uh, if you need a little more anesthetic, use 2%. I put bupivacaine there, or marcaine. It's a nice drug to use in combination with your xylocaine because xylocaine, um, it gives you, it numbs well, but it doesn't do a whole lot for the movement, and it also dies way quick. Sorry, I said that the other way, wrong way around. Xylocaine does help with the, um, stops the motion, muscle movement, as well as the pain. Bupivacaine is the one that does not give you quite as much um, akinesis or uh, stops the movement. So, But they are great to use together, and the reason is because bupivacaine lasts for about six hours. So your patient goes home, they're long home, and they don't blame you for the pain. It happened long after you were gone. So, so it's a nice one to use. I like to use the two. And you can actually draw them up in combination. Um, usually, uh, if you're using bupivacaine, uh, uh, 0.5% is a good one. It comes also in 0.25 and 0.75. So you can go with a little bit higher uh, percentage if you want to. Like I said, debridement's the big thing here. And then undermining. Um, just a quick word about undermining. If you've got a wound um, that is gaping, you absolutely want to do some measure of undermining. The reason is there's nothing worse than trying to close a wound that's under tension. Okay? Um, and I'll show you in a minute what I mean by undermining. Basically, you're taking the scissors, you go in bluntly, you spread them, and you go around the edges under, just under the, under the dermis little ways. Um, where you find a nice loose plane in, just in the fat area, and you can loosen that, loosen your margins so that then you can pull your wound back together again. And that's really, really helpful because there's nothing worse than trying to fight with a wound that's under tension um, and get it closed. Um, and just undermining will save you a lot of grief. It makes the wound close better and just makes everything a lot easier to deal with. Okay. How many have got a piece of string? Quite a few of you do, and you can share those around. I don't know how far those two rolls went. Um, the knot tying is very important. I'm not going to actually, um, I'm not going to actually um, uh, show you how to do the hand ties and so on. I'd love to do that. I'll leave that to the surgeon you work with. Um, there are some good websites. I had one to put up, and uh, I went to try it, and it's no longer working. So Boston uh, University was one that had an excellent website, and either I'm not finding it or they've taken it down. Um, but uh, you can, there should be a YouTube as well to do it. So I'm not going to try and do the hand ties. I will tell you this. Most surgeons use a two-hand tie. 
uh, or especially if they're teaching students. So if you're new to surgery, that's probably the one to go for. Uh, then as you get more proficient, learn the one-hand tie for bigger suture in the abdomen. Mostly what I'm going to talk about today is instrument tie. Uh, because that's probably more likely to be what you do if you work in an ER. You're more likely to do instrument ties. Um, I did almost all instrument ties, but I was working inside the eye. I guess I didn't give you that background. Um, my Sort of my background, I am a PA. I was a nurse before I was a PA. But I worked in Tenwick Hospital for about 13 years doing eye surgery uh, in Kenya. Um, and so... That's a long story how I got to be doing eye surgery as a PA, but that may be a story for another day. <laughs> okay. um, on the knots, this is a very important diagram, and the two that I'd like you to really look at are one and two. Um, I'll show you what the others do, and you can play with your piece of string. They look, just at a quick glance, they look the same. Can anyone tell me the difference between those two knots, just looking at them? Okay, one's above, one below. All right, so this side, you'll see the two ends, they come out on top of the loop. This side, one's under, one's above. And that makes a big deal because the second one, number two, will slip. And number one won't. So just a very quick, if you have a piece of string in your hands, take your left hand, put it over your right hand, turn it under, and then take your right hand, put it over your left hand string, and turn it under. When you pull that down, you'll get what we call a square knot, or if you're a good Englishman, you call it a reef knot. Okay? And uh, it looks sort of like this. And when you push it, it slides apart. All right? uh, so that's the square knot. And that's a knot that will hold. I better not push it, pull it too, tall, too hard. It might slip on me, will not it? All right. So the, the, the number two, which is we, we call it the granny knot. I don't know what it has to do with grandma. But anyway, if you put left over right... And then just go left over right again, you'll see the difference. And when you pull this one down, you'll see that the whole knot kind of, kind of twists. It doesn't lay flat. Okay? And if you tie that as a surgical knot, this is what happens with it. All right? Okay? That's all the difference between those two knots. Uh, one, go, the throw goes one way, and then the other way, the other one goes the same way both ways. Um, so that's, do you want me to do that one again? That kind of went too quick, did it? Okay. So the reef knot or the, the square knot, you put a left one over the right, tuck it under. The right one over the left one, tuck it under. And by the way, that isn't how we do it when we're doing surgery. We, we have a different technique for doing it. But that gives you a knot that looks like this. It, it'll actually slide. But when you pull it, it, it's tight. It won't slip. All right? So the granny knot, you take the left one over the right one, turn it under, and take the left one over the right one again and turn it under. And as you pull that down, you see how this isn't sliding nice? It's all, it's all every which way, all right? And you pull that one down, and then when you start pulling this knot, look what happens to it. It just pulls out. Okay, so that's the one you do not want to use. All right? <laughs> okay? All right? Otherwise, you do this nice suture job, and the whole thing d does what I just did with that string and comes apart. Okay, So very important. The other thing is, this one uh, can be just like a square knot. So I do my square knot again. Um, I do my square knot. But if do you see how I'm laying those flat? If I take and, and lay it this way instead, 
In fact, if I lay both of them that way, guess what you actually do? You've got a noose, all right? So the point of that is your surgeon's going to hang you if you do this kind of a knot instead of a good square knot, all right? All right, so it slips. Now, there are times that I actually use that. If I've got a wound under some tension, I actually like to use that one to give me some tension, tighten it up, and then lay my knots flat twice and lock it. But uh, that's sort of a little bit further advanced. So for the time being, don't make a slip knot, all right? All right. Now, a surgeon's knot is this one. It's just like the square knot, except you do one other thing. You go left over right and under and right over left and under, so you've got your nice flat laying knot. But instead of doing that, you actually, on your first throw, you turn it round a second time, so you go twice. So you go left over right, go round, swing it around again, and then the second one, you just do like you did. And that does a double throw on the bottom, okay? So it looks like that. And you probably can't see it from here, but try it with the piece in your hand. And that makes a knot on that first throw. When you pull it down tight... Um, you want to help me a minute? You can pull that down on my wrist. Just, just pull this. Yeah, there it is. So you pull like that. Give it a good hard pull. Okay? So, and you can let go now. Okay. All right. So what it's done, see how that's, it's, it's tight. And it'll keep your wound shut for a minute until uh, you can get your other throw on. So if you've got a wound under a bit of tension, nice way to do is that double throw, and it'll pull down nicely for you. Okay. I was going to say any questions, but that's probably going to take some work, that one, all right? And we'll learn how to do that with the, a little bit with the instrument. Now, um, I may have to get a volunteer to help me again in a second here. The, this is showing how to do a basic instrument tie. And um, I'll just give you a couple of tips so that when you get to it, maybe it'll help you remember it. You put your suture through, and we'll talk about how to put the needle and how to pull it through in just a second. But when you're, you move your suture through so you've got two ends coming out, just like that top diagram up there, you've gone through your, through your wound and you have two ends. Whenever you start to suture, put your forceps right between the two strings. Don't ever put it on the outside. If you put it on the outside, you're going to turn it the wrong way. All right? So just put it between the two strings, all right? and then you're going to go over the top and pull it through. Hang on, I didn't do something right. I'm trying to do it in the air. That doesn't work real well. So basically, you're, you're putting it on top, and then you're going to bring it over the, the, uh, the long side, um, put it like this, and you're going to bring it through. And I'm, I'm not doing that in the air very well. Anyway, it makes your first throw. Okay, So you pull it through, go over the top, see the direction? You go over the top. Uh, if you put it between the two threads, uh, sort of lay it across your wound. That's the easiest way. Just lay it along the wound. You've got one string this way, one string this way. Your wound's across it, perpendicular to it. Just lay your forceps there. And then take your long end, leave your short end, get, get it pretty short, and then take your long end and go over the top of this one. Okay? And then, then, uh, then you can grab the small end and pull it through, just like that and pull it down. Now, when you pull it down, what's important about pulling it down? I've already told you. See if you can get it. What's important about pulling that down? Yeah. Make sure it's like this, right? We don't want this sort of thing. Okay? If you pull it down like this, what's going to happen? You're going to make a slip knot. So make sure you always lay it. And I like to do it a little bit above, so that as I pull it down, you can see it well. All right?
Okay. And then you do the second one, again, put it between, and this time you'll be on the opposite side, so you'll come back across the other way. So the first one you went one way, the second time you're going to come back the other way and pull it through, and that'll make your square knot. So if you do, really do it like that, you're going to end up with a square knot every time. Okay? okay? I'll have to go home and play with that. I'd love to do this with all of you. I do it with my students at UK, but there's a bit too many of you here to do all that. All right, so... Um, and there's, there's the finished knot, so let's keep going here. Okay, a couple of guidelines on uh, closure. Uh, we, you want to try and use, we talked about debridement already. Talk of, oh, one thing let me say on debridement that I didn't. If you've got a ragged wound, somebody has had um, you know, something, a stick or something that's not really sharp, has made a wound, and it's, it's, you have rough edges, you can debride those edges. You can actually straighten them out a little bit, either with a scissor or a scalpel. It's nice to do it with a scalpel. If you are doing it with a scalpel, make sure you don't make a deeper wound than what you got. All right? Um, so um, you can do it with a, a scalpel. Straighten out the edges so that you have nice straight edges to work with. Okay? One rule, though, anytime you're dealing with tissue, try not to remove any more tissue than you have to. Um, it, tissue has some stretch. You can... Stretch a little bit if you've got a little defect, but uh, it's hard to stick tissue back on again once you've cut it off. So uh, don't cut more than what you, what you need to um, on it. And the other thing is atraumatic technique. When you're working with your tissue, try to, to take care of it. That's all that means. Um, when you're, instrument, you're using your instruments, watch so you don't get the edges chewed up. And probably the easiest way to keep from doing that is take a little bit bigger bite uh, on your edge. It's, um, this is probably personal preference, but I kind of like to... It, it's a one into two tooth, the Adson, like this. I like to put the single one underneath. I find it slides along a little easier. And then just grasp a little bit further into your tissue. so that. And the other thing, uh, when you're trying to figure out how to come through your tissue... You can take that forcep and invert the edge of the tissue so you can actually see under it and see what you're doing. Okay? And that's a huge tip that will help you. Another thing is when you come through the other side, as you're coming through, it's often hard to push it through, uh, push your needle through. So you can take the forcep and put it on either side of where your needle's coming through. Just put a little pressure. Don't hit your forceps, otherwise you'll have a blunt needle. All right? um, and, and then come through. I'll get back to that in just a second. So you want to go, um, you want to use relaxed skin tension lines. We'll talk about skin tension lines in a moment. I'll show you where those are. And you also want to start perpendicular to the surface. So if you take the needle and go in and the surface is like this, you're going to end up bending your needle. So start perpendicular. That helps you get deep enough uh, as you come through. And the needle is curved. It's a semicircle or some of them aren't quite that much, but they're a semicircle. So follow that curve. Think of it as a circle, and as you turn your needle through, just try and complete the circle. Just think of it as a circle. A lot of people will pull it till they get the tip through, and then they pull it like this, and guess what happens? The needle bends, and you chew up the tissue, so uh, you've broken several of those rules. All right. Um, some key techniques, and I'll show you pictures of these. Close the dead space under the incision. One problem that people do sometimes, if it's a deep incision, they close the top, and they've got all this space up underneath, all right? And that fills with blood, 
and uh, it doesn't heal properly. It makes basically make, makes a, um, you know, there's just a pool of blood there, or it can actually become an abscess under there, and you sure don't want that. So you want to make sure you close that, get the tissues together. Um, Close the tissue in layers. If you have, if you're through more than one layer, try and sort out and see which is muscle, which is fascia, um, where's your sub-Q, where's your dermis layer, and close them in layers so that you get them approximated, each layer approximated nicely. If you don't do that, you're going to have a lot of scarring underneath, and you may get the skin surface nice, but if you've got it uneven levels underneath, uh, there's going to be scarring, and they're going to always feel a knot under there and say, I wonder what guy really did when he sutured me up, all right? So we don't need any of that. Okay. Um, I think I'll leave axis just for the time being. Um, it says deep and, and cutaneous sutures. It's a good idea if you've got a deep wound and your other tissues involved, it's nice to put some subcutaneous tissue, uh, sutures in first. And the way that I do the subcutaneous, if this is the surface, all right, so usually your suture's coming like this and you're going to tie it on top, okay? With a subcutaneous one, you're actually doing it this way around, all right? So you start high, you go down in your tissue, come out. Um, so you may, have to, you may have to do it twice. You may have to start down in your tissue, come over the top, come back in. So basically you end up with two... You end up sort of like this, all right, with your two ends coming from the bottom of your wound. And so when you pull that down and tie it, this drops right down in the bottom of your wound, okay? Do you sort of get the picture? Sort of, halfway, all right? So that's a nice thing because then it puts your knots all down inside and they're not near the surface and, and leave um, a little lump there. Now, it'll be an absorbable. Anything you put inside needs to be absorbable. Um, but it takes a while to absorb. So while that's absorbing, there will be a little knot under the skin unless you buried that knot like that. Okay. All right. Here's some of the stress lines. Um, some of us don't need any stress lines. We already have too much stress. But uh, just an idea. If you think of it like this, whichever way a muscle contracts, the stress lines are going to be across that way. All right. So... If this muscle contracts like this, my stress lines are like this, they're crossing, right? Does that follow? Yeah, yeah, all right? You bend over, your stress lines are going to be like this. You furrow your brow, the muscles are going this way, so the lines are this way. And that gives you an idea of where, if you have a choice of making an incision, if somebody cuts themselves, there's nothing you can do about it. It is where it is, all right? But if you have a choice of, you're taking out a lesion or something, and you have a choice of where you want to put it, Put it in the direction of these stress lines. And this is a really useful little diagram. You won't remember where all of those are. But one day when you're doing this, pull my little PowerPoint out and we can, you can take a look at those. Which, by the way, I'll be putting up on, on the website. So I'll try and get that up in the seat afternoon. The other one, the face is um, particularly um, one that you want to do think about on this. Forehead lines, crease down here. Um, I had an interesting guy sutured uh, in Kenya. Someone, they have this little thing in Kenya where they bite uh, part, body part off if they're angry with somebody. They get in a fight and uh, they'll bite an earlobe off or bite a lip off. Or bite it. And, and then they bite it off. Can you imagine biting somebody's nose off? 
I mean, it's just it's pretty bad. And then they throw the part away, all right? So that's the spite. And uh, so this guy came in with a big chunk of his nose missing, and I thought, what do I do with this? And one of the surgeons at Tenwick said, this looks like something near the eye, so we'll send it to Sam Powdrell. <laughs> so so I, I thought, oh, no, what do I do with this? But what I ended up doing was using my crease line. I went like this, made a flap like this, turned it, and turned it inside, tucked it on inside, rebuilt the nares, and uh, then closed this. And I had a nice skin line. You couldn't tell there was anything there because I used the skin line. So that's a neat, neat thing you can do with skin lines. And the face kind of shows you some of that. See how those, they aren't straight elliptical incisions that they made. They made them follow the lines a little bit. And that's a neat thing to do if you have to do something uh, like that. All right. I wouldn't advocate doing that one if you haven't sutured very much, but anyway. <coughs> Undermining. Now this is basically, here's your Metzenbaum scissor, which is a nice one for skin. And if you, again, if you have one of these, these are not a cheap pair of scissors. These are anywhere from $60 to $100 pair of scissors, all right? So they're not your kitchen variety of scissor. Um, but you want to go in, anytime you're undermining, and you can do it with a hemostat, you want to go in, you're not cutting, you're blunt dissecting, all right? So you go find that plane of tissue that you can wiggle your scissor into, you go in and spread the scissor apart like this, okay? So you go in, spread, and then pull out. Go in, spread, pull out. So you're going in with the scissor shut, and you're spreading. And that'll undermine, that'll loosen up the tissue, and if you do it blunt like that instead of cutting, uh, you're not going to tear up a lot of vessels and everything else. Remember tissue integrity? Okay, that's what that's all about. All right. Now, occasionally, you may need to cut some little strands of fiber. So you lift up and you look where you are, and then you can make a couple of snips to relieve it. Just make sure you're not cutting nerves and vessels and those kinds of things. All right. Good way to do that, when you spread your scissor, look and see, is it clear? Is that tissue, it thins out, and just see, is it really nice and clear between my, my scissors? All right. Simple interrupted. Um, the simple interrupted suture is um, the one you'll probably use the most. It's um, We close uh, basic lacerations with this. We use it for biopsies, for taking lesions off. Um, the, and you use a similar technique inside the wound, except you invert the suture instead of so it not goes down in the bottom instead of the top. So you start down in the wound, come up high, go back in. Now, when you do come out on the inside one, inside the wound, not at the skin, you actually come out just under the skin layer, go back in, and um, that'll let you suture down in the wound. Okay. Okay. The other nice thing about an interrupted suture is if you have a long wound and after four days or five days on the face, you're not sure is this really held nicely, you can take every other one out and see if it's still holding, and so your whole wound doesn't just suddenly come apart. Okay, And that's a good, nice thing to do with an interrupted suture. So here is an interrupted suture, and uh, you can see that you start a little ways away from the wound edge. I've gone very shallow here. Typically, I would go down through this into the, into the sub-Q layer uh, if you're closing this. Now, if it really went down into the muscle and so on like this, there's the fascia. You're going to want to make sure you get a, an internal suture in there to close that nicely. So you bring all that together. If you don't do that, one, you'll get a space under there. And two, you're going to have tension on your wound. And so if you can eliminate both of those things, you can do that. You can do that with a running suture, just like a, uh, if you 
If ever hemmed a piece of clothing, you, you know, over and over, it's basically the same thing, all right? So you can close that with that. If you ever do a running suture, just make sure you tie your knots well. There's nothing worse than coming all the way to the end and you put it in and then you find that you did a granny knot instead of a square knot and the whole thing comes undone. Okay? So interrupted sutures are a good way for a beginner to start because you don't run into that trouble. If one of them comes undone and the rest of them hold, you're probably all right. Okay? So, um, whoops, wrong thing there. Hang on. Okay. Just a little uh, something to say about needles. There are different types of needles. Some of them are pointed, and if you look on your suture packet, the taper needle will be represented by a circle with a dot in the middle. And that's uh, basically this one. You see it's round-bodied, uh, and it comes to a point. Um, as opposed to the cutting needle, which is like a triangle. If you cut through the end of a cutting needle, it looks like a triangle. And so the edges actually cut. It cuts along each one of those edges. And so we call it a cutting needle because the edges cut as well as the point. If you're doing skin, you need to use a cutting needle. All right? And those come, a common one I think of are P1s, P2s, and P3s. They stand for plastic, 1, 2, and 3. And those are nice little cutting needles. They're fairly narrow-bodied. And they do do quite well. Um, just a little technical point, and I'll just mention it since it's here. Um, conventional and reverse cutting, and by the way, this this is confusing. Some show it one way, some show it the other. So don't don't count on this diagram on this one. Um, but the main thing to remember about this: if you're using a cutting needle and you've got sensitive tissues underneath, don't have it with the point of the you know where the sharp side is down. You want to make sure the sharp, sharp side is up and you've got a flat side down so that you don't cut into vessels or something down below. Okay? Because anytime you use that one, it's going to cut down in a little bit deeper. Small point, but it can be a critical point. When you hold the needle, you'll notice that the needle, uh, you've got your, uh, your cutting point, and then the body of the needle is either round or flat. Now, a lot of it's flat, and then it's round where the suture fits in at the top. You want to hold on the flat side, because guess what if you hold where the round side is? It just swivels on you, all right? You can get the picture. Um, so you want to be where that flat side is, hold on to it, and it's usually about two-thirds of the way back to the needle. So you want to go far enough back so that you have some room to push your needle through, and then when you grasp the needle on the other side, don't grasp right on the tip. Why not? you've got cutting edges. So if you do that very many times on each suture, you're not going to go very far before you have a blunt needle and you're pushing it through the skin. All right? I didn't say about the taper needle. A taper needle is like that. It's very hard to push through the skin. So a cutting needle will help you. go, And that's marked on the body. Needles also come in different circle sizes. Most of them are about a half or a five-eighths. Uh, mostly a half. That's the most common one you'll see. There are some other applications for some of the others, and it has to do with the depth that you're using. But that's probably a little bit past today. Okay. Uh, when you start your putting your needle in, you should be at 90 degrees. Uh, that's the far picture over there. Um, at 90 degrees to the skin. So you want to go in at 90 degrees to the skin and then rotate your needle around. Okay. If you do a shallow bite, you can sort of go in and then tilt it a little and go through. Um, when you're first starting, you may want to go halfway through the wound, go to the middle port, part, 
uh, pull it through and then go back in at the same place. You want to go at the same level and go back through. So you go in, go across, come out the other side. You can pull it through. Okay. Some of you, if you've sutured, I'm probably being redundant, but uh, I don't know where you're all at. So we'll, So that's 90 degrees. You want to go through. And, and then remember I said, it, think of it like a circle. So think of your needle like a circle. And as you put it through, complete that circle, which is going to take a wrist movement. Okay. And you may want to lock your, um, your needle driver. You can lock it, and then your hand's free to work your needle. Just make sure if you lock it, you've learned how to unlock it. It's a sort of a movement like this with your, your thumb. And usually well, you've got one finger out to help your driver, so you're usually unlocking it with these two fingers, okay, and sort of twisting it between your thumb and your finger. Okay. Practice that before you do suturing the first time. Let me just make one comment. There's two instruments that look alike, a needle driver and a hemostat. Hemostat is long, and it has serrations on it. A needle driver has very fine lines on the jaw. It's usually thicker on the end, and the end from the hinge out is usually shorter. Okay? So make sure you do actually use a needle driver, because if you use a hemostat, you're going to spring it holding the needle, and then it won't grasp stuff. So that's a no-no. All right? So a couple of no-nos, don't use a medicine bomb to cut your suture with. Don't use a hemostat to put your uh, needle through with. All right? Okay. So as you pull it through, um, your distance apart, you want to make it, try and space it evenly. Uh, you may want to try putting one in the middle, uh, then split the distance and so on. If you don't have tension on the wound, you can do that. If there's tension on the wound, you may want to start at the ends and come in and try and judge the space. It's sort of like cutting a pie into five pieces. You've all done that, trying to make them all look even so Johnny and Susie don't fight over who got the bigger piece. Okay, you want to make your sutures about the same distance apart. And you should go across about twice as far as you do between the sutures, and that's a diagram there. Here shows you the dead space. So here's the internal suture with the knot in the bottom. Okay, and uh, then... Uh, um, okay, this is a good one too. When you put suture, you don't want. It looks like you would just put it flat and leave it like that because you want it level. Well, that's not so. You don't want it to do this, okay? Um, but you want it to pull upwards just slightly, okay? Pull it. So, the tension on your knot so it pulls up very slightly, and then as it heals, the skin contracts and so it'll go down. So if you put it here. It's going to tr contract and give you troubles or make a scar. Okay? So you do want to avert it just slightly uh, when you're closing. Continuous suture. Um, like it says, it's continuous, so we keeps going. Um, there's several kinds. There's a locking and a lo non-locking. I'm just going to show you the basic um, uh, continuous today. Uh, you do need to have strong knots, as we said earlier. Um, and... Uh, the advantage is that it's very quick. If you have to take it out, it's quick to take out as well. So there's some advantages to it. Um, I used to suture corneas, you know, lacerated cornea. And I'm using 10-0, which is half the thickness of a hair under microscope. And there's nothing worse than doing about 20 of these loops, which they're fairly hard under microscope to do it that small. You go about 20 of them across and you tie your knot. And just before your last one, 
your suture breaks, all right? So continuous, uh, what I learn to do is I usually put a couple of interrupted ones in before I run my continuous. It sort of approximates your wound and gets it where you want it. And you can take those out later once you've got a secure continuous in. So, so that's a word to the wise. You may want to put a couple of interrupted in just to help position your, your wound. Let me say one other thing about positioning. I always like to put, if I'm doing skin, I like to put my first suture through a skin line. Because a skin line, if you've got a skin line uh, that, like a crease in the hand or something like that, find a crease that's going across your wound. And put your suture in there and come out. It's marked where you can line your wound up, all right? You go in the crease on one side, come out the crease on the other side, and your wound is going to be back to its position that you started with. And so that's what we do, okay? So that'll help you help you with doing that. So then you're going, you... Um, you tie a knot on the first one, just like you're doing the interrupted, so you, you tie back and forth, but you only cut the short side and you leave the long side. Surgeons, if you're helping a surgeon, don't ever cut the long side. They're not real happy with that because they're wanting to run a continuous one, all right? It happens, believe me. Okay, so you run your continuous. What do you do when you get to this end? So you've got this end and you've got nothing to tie to, right? Okay, so what you do, you hook under here, under this last loop, and you pull it back a bit, so you've got a loop like this. Okay, so you've got a, um, it's coming through like this. You've pulled up a little loop, and you can use that as your tie. Okay, and that'll finish off your, your, your wound. You can finish your continuous tie like that. Okay. Okay, horizontal mattress. So what I'm going to do is quickly go through a couple of other uh, little ones and see, sort of show you some different techniques. Um, so what, what I've done up to this point is the basics, all right? Right now you've done the basics. So now I'm going to do a couple of different little applications that will be useful for you um, at some time. The horizontal mattress, the main idea of it is to, to take tension off the wound. So if you just put one suture through, uh, you come through, you're pulling from each side like this, you can tear the skin out. It'll tear through the skin like this, okay? Um, it, it acts like a cheese wire, all right? And it'll pull through, it can pull through the skin. If you've got uh, tissue like that, you can use the mattress suture. And here it is. You go in one side, go across like you're doing a uh, interrupted suture. But then you go over and then come back through. So you've got to turn your needle backwards and come back through the tissue. And then you tie it right here on the same side, okay? Now, when you pull that, um, you see how it's pulling across like a bar instead of just one single suture, and so it takes the tension off. You can, if you've got really fragile tissue, you can actually put that through a piece of rubber tubing, uh, surgical rubber tubing or something, um, and actually make a bolster that you're pulling against, and that even helps further. Okay, so that's the, the horizontal mattress. Um, the vertical mattress is a mattress suture, but you go in deep, and you come back shallow, all right? Um, and this is, helps to eliminate that dead space. So this, instead of having to do an inside suture, you can, you can go through down deep in the tissue, and then you come back through shallow. So I came this way, this way, and then you go shallow. That second one needs to be very close to your ends because you want to pull them tight. Um, and I actually like to go backwards a little bit like this and pull it through. And then when I, when I pull it tight, 
and tie it over on this side. So they're on, still tied on the same side. But you see the difference? It's not going across this way. It's, it's going deep and then coming back shallow. Okay? All right. So that's your vertical mattress suture. Useful one to eliminate dead space. Okay? A subcuticular is one that uh, all the la ladies like to have if they're uh, getting a C-section. All right? So... Uh, the, it's one where you put the tissue underneath, just underneath the skin. You, it's a continuous, but you weave back and forth. And when you pull it, it shuts the skin and you don't see any sutures. And so you don't get any of those little um, railroad lines afterwards or anything like that. So, so it kind of looks like this. So I've done it on an abdomen because that's a very common one that's used for C-sections. So you, you, start, you can either tie your knot down in the tissue and go back and forth, or you can, you can tie out and tape it. Um, and you, you're basically going just under the, uh, the skin layer. So you turn your needle and you just rotate it through. And then you go across exactly perpendicular and then you rotate it through this way. And then you come back the other side. So you're just going back and forth just under the skin layer. Okay? Um, and you try and catch that good fibrous tissue just at the base of the skin and run that back and forth. And then when you pull it, the whole wound just shuts nicely together. Um, and it's a wonderful one to do because there's no scar. I mean, there's a, there's a scar, but there's no uh, suture marks uh, showing. Now, if you're going to leave it, which they often do on the abdomen, uh, you're going to have to use a non an absorbable suture, rather, to put that in. If you have a knot tied out or you tape this end down, you can use a non-absorbable. And then when you're ready to pull it, uh, you can just pull the whole thing out. Okay. Now, to pull the whole thing out, I found, I found one thing on the technique. I normally, I've actually show you going across like this. I actually like to come backwards just slightly, not very far. If you come very far, you'll lock the whole thing up. If you come back just very slightly, it actually pulls your tissue back together. So that's a good tip maybe to remember at some point. An elliptical incision. Uh, an ellipse, uh, elliptical incision um, is something you use often. And I, I sort of gave him a melanoma here. Yeah. So we gave him a little melanoma. We want to take, and I didn't, looks like I didn't cut out very wide margins on that, did I? <laughs> All right. When you're cutting an ellipse out, what you want to do, um, if your ellipse is like this, all right, you want to angle your, your scalpel backwards just a little bit away from the, uh, away from the uh, lesion. So you go in a little outwards, so that what happens, you've got an undermined, an undercut wound, and when you pull it together, the, the tops reach nicely. Not way back, almost straight up, but just a little tilt back, and then tilt back a little bit the other way, and that'll make a nice closure uh, for, your, for your wound. When, anytime you take an ellipse out like this, you're going to want to undermine it, okay? And then you can close it with an interrupted suture like that. Another little variation on ellipse, if you have a lesion that's a little bit uh, not real straight, you can do an S-curve uh, elliptical lesion, and that's kind of a neat one to do, and you can follow some of those tension lines and so on a little easier with this one. Okay. All right, this is a, an ad adaptation of the um, horizontal mattress suture. So um, sometimes you get a three-corner tear, and you've got this little tight little corner tissue, and if you just go straight through and put a suture in the end, a lot of times you'll strangulate it and it'll, it'll, it'll necrose on you. It'll, it'll die. 
and then you've got a, a wound to deal with, um, not, just a, not just a cut. So you want to avoid that. And one of the ways to do that is to go horizontally through that tip, okay, so that you can get blood supply above and below. And so we do it uh, like a mattress suture, where we start in past the tip, you come straight back, then you come out, go through the tip, come out the other side of the same place, and then wherever you came out here, you want to be the same position here. You can actually go back a little bit, but you definitely don't want to go forward. Okay? You can go back a little bit, go across, come out, and then come straight out and tie. And when you pull that, you can kind of see what happens. It pulls that corner right up in, and you can get a nice tight closure. Otherwise, that can be a hard one to close. I always do that one first. And then you can put some interruptions on the sides just to finish it off, and that fixes it up. Okay. Well, our time's kind of running here. A um, couple little variations. This is probably, if you haven't sutured, this is probably past where you are, but just a couple of things to think about. If you have a big lesion to take out, and you don't want to take this huge, big ellipse out, um, because the ellipse should be about um, three times as long as it is wide, so if you have a wide lesion, you're going to have a, this huge, big ellipse out. And you can actually spare doing that by just cutting a square around the lesion out, make your ellipse, but then what you do, you, you undermine a little bit, and, um, but you keep the base of that, that uh, triangle attached, and you slide it forward until the two triangles meet. And then you'll do that, uh, that little suture like we did on the three-cornered right here, okay? You'll do it here and here. Pull those three corners together. Okay. Um, get that pulled together. And then you start suturing from here back. And because you pulled these together, you're going to get back here and there's still going to be a space. So we call this a V to Y. So you start out with a, a V cut. And uh, because this is moved together, you can make it into a Y. And it saves your, saves your skin. And that's a nice closure to do. A little bit more advanced, but just for those of you that are ambitious, all right? Okay. Now, this is the one um, everybody sometimes has a little trouble. You know, the difference between a, um, a good surgeon and a bad surgeon isn't how well they do the cases, how they can get out of the complications, all right? Because everybody has some complications at some point or another, and uh, the good surgeon is the one that knows how to deal with those effectively without having a bad outcome. And so uh, with suturing, one of our little uh, things that can happen is you go do this nice suture along and you pull a little more tension on one side than the other. And so when you get to the end, you have this nice little buckle. We call it a dog ear, all right? So here's your little dog ear that's left over. And so um, there's a couple of ways to do that. You can do an elliptical incision around it, um, take an ellipse, and then you just close a little bit further and close it like an elliptical incision. Or a neat little way to do it is sort of pick up on it um, and then make an incision going this way. Just take your scissor and cut a little square. Let that flap flap over, all right, so it lays flat. Cut the excess off, and then you just suture it, suture it shut like that, and then you get a nice flat place. So that's one way to fix your mistake if you have troubles. Okay. The last slide Busy slide. Um, you may want to go home and look at this one a little bit. But uh, these are some of the different uh, suture materials. Just a real quickie. Most people are using nylon uh, monofilament on the skin. If it's on the face, use 5 or 6 -0. If it's on the trunk, 
three or four, four, four or five, or you can go to three. On the legs, I would go at least to four, and, and you can go to three on the legs. You need to leave them in longer on the legs and the face. Face you can usually take out in about a five days or a week. Um, on the legs, you probably need to leave it up to two weeks, especially on the feet, okay, because healing time is more. Um, absor- so the most common, there's a lot of stuff here, but the most common uh, skin suture is nylon. The most common internal suture now is that most people are using is Vicro. The cat guts are shorter acting. That's your chromic and your, and your gut. But uh, if you remember Vicryl and nylon, you'll actually do really well. Um, so Vicryl on the inside and nylon on the outside, that should take care of you. Any questions? I've kind of raced through all that, but... <laughs> Okay. It does. It sort of depends where you are. Obviously, on the face, you're not going to be able to make quite as big a one. Um, if it's on the trunk, you can go bigger. Um, so if you're taking a big lesion off the trunk, you can make it a little bit wider, go a bit wider. And it's probably going to be underclothed or something, so it doesn't show as much. So. You could actually go more. You could actually go quite wide. I mean, you could make even up to a, a large, large incision, but you wouldn't want to do this longer one on the face, all right? Unless if you're going to do that one longer one on the face, maybe you better send it to the plastic surgeon, all right? Because <laughs> they've got some other techniques they're going to use. They're probably going to swing a flap for it. Yeah. Uh huh. You can do 50/50. Yeah, yeah. You can do 50/50. Yeah. If you want more short acting. You can put a little more xylocaine. If you, um, the one thing with bupivacaine, it takes a little longer to act, and that's why it's nice to have the xylocaine and not just the bupivacaine. And bupivacaine does a beautiful job, but um, it does it doesn't take quite as quick. So you need to so having the xylocaine gives you the anesthetic so you can start, and then the bupivacaine lets it last for a long time, gives you long. Yes. That's a great question. Um, another sort of application of that is abscesses, okay, uh, because they're definitely a dirty wound. Um, if you're going to suture, you want to close it somewhat, um, you can actually just cut a piece of glove, okay, um, and put it in the wound and then advance it a little bit every day. Leave just the end open, and that lets it heal from the bottom so that you don't get a pocket in there and it lets it keep healing. Um, they have Penrose drains that are made for that. And, again, it depends on the size. But if it's a small one, um, you know, clean it the best you can. Now, always try and spend some time really do the best you can cleaning. But if you're worried about it, just put a little drain in. You can just put a suture through the drain if you want to and hold it in place so it doesn't just come straight out and then put it under your bandage. Leave a loose bandage um, and let that drain. Yep. Somebody's probably figured that out. I don't know that. Okay. Just do it several times. The more you do, the better off you are. I mean, you just want to do it until it really visibly looks like you've gotten everything out. And make sure you get really down in the bottom of your wound, and that's an important one.
Okay. We like to suture within six hours. Okay. If it's past that, you may want to freshen up the edges of the wound. Um, you know, get some fresh bleeding again there. Uh, a little bit, don't get so much that you've got to deal with big time bleeding, but um, you know, freshen up the wound edges a little bit, and then you've got fresh edges to work with. But um, six, you can go a little bit more, sort of assess the kind of injury it was. Yeah. If it's dirty, you're going to have to be more aggressive and, you know, about that. Yeah. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you all being here this afternoon. Great. And I hope you all get a chance to do some suturing. Enjoy it.